0: back to Tales from Second Street. I'm Doug Scott, and I'll be your host. The Brewerytown memoir series that I'm working on is near and dear to my heart. My neighborhood around 30th and Thompson was a wonderland for all of us little urchins back then. We lived in the midst of industrial Philly and on the edge of Fairmount Park. We had access to everything good and bad about industrial America. Boxcars were shuttled up and down the cobblestone streets to factories and warehouses along Thompson Street, and trucks of every description from everywhere, carting anything you could imagine. And as a bonus, the ruins of defunct breweries dotted our landscape. These artifacts of pre-Prohibition era better times were known to us kids by names such as the Tombs and the Hills, who needed swing sets and jungle gyms. These were our playgrounds. A super bonus was that Fairmount Park was practically in our backyard, only a short walk down Thompson Street. We had to cross the multitude of railroad tracks that led to the Horseshoe Curve, and then we were there. Across the tracks and under the Girard Avenue tunnel was a service path that led to the beautiful Glendinning Gardens, known to the neighborhood as the Rock Garden and simply the Rocky to us kids. We didn't know much about horticulture, but could feel the peace and tranquility of the place. The Rocky had a series of ponds along the cliffs that led to the Schuylkill River that was across East River Drive, which is now known as Kelly Drive. Back then, Fairmount featured spring-fed water fountains at various locations throughout the park. Us kids could play there all day and never have to go home for a drink of water. Icy cold water was right there for you at the pipe coming out of the rocks. Kind of unbelievable in this regulated era. Future editions of the memoir will feature these places and much more. Brewery Town, a memoir, is based on events and perceptions in the heart of post-war USA. The end of World War I and the rise of Hitler leading to World War II were a mere 20 years apart, if you can imagine. The world was absolutely exhausted. As Churchill said in the midst of the war, England was bloodied but unbowed. Well, I'll tell you what, the entire world was in the same boat. Here in the US though, there was a sense of hope, the promise of recovery, and a future devoid of the devastation of war. These are my memories of growing up during those times in the small subsection of Philadelphia called Brewerytown. As a child, like most kids, my awareness of things outside my little patch in Brewerytown was limited. My older brother was a big source of news and current events. He he was the smart one in our family. I mean, like he studied Latin and all that stuff, you know, and <laughs> one one day he told me that a guy named Dewey, his name was Thomas Dewey, he looked a little like Hitler, as far as I was concerned. But at any rate, I don't know anything about him except what my brother told me. He said that he wanted to be the president instead of Truman. Harry Truman was president around this time. He was our hero because he beat our enemies and, according to my brother, saved the world. How could anybody not love him? Anyway, My big brother said that if Truman had lost the last election and this guy Dewey had won, he would have made us all go to school on Saturdays. It's kind of hard to imagine how a politician had float an idea like this or why he would. Maybe he didn't even do it at all. But anyway, Dewey's alleged plan to rob us of our Saturdays was common knowledge amongst all of us kids. To us, Dewey was the devil. My old man didn't like him. He didn't like Truman either. He said Dewey was a commie and Truman was a crook, just like Shelley, who ran the grocery store down the street. He also said, What the hell's with all these goddamn kids going to school on Saturdays? Who's going to do all their Saturday chores? He yelled, Don't think for a minute. I'm going to do that goddamn garbage can. That statement had my name written all over it because besides feeding the fish... That was my one other important assignment on a Saturday. I sure wouldn't miss cleaning out the garbage can with that stinky white pine. Ugh. But everything else about Saturday was gold. My family all went to Catholic schools. The one in our neighborhood, St. Ludwig's, was known affectionately as Dutch Louis. A lot of the German immigrants settled in our part of Philly and unlike today, religion played a big part in the lives of the people, especially the immigrants. They generally stuck together when they got to America because they spoke the same language and they knew about the same kinds of stuff. They cooked the same sorts of food, all that sort of thing. They also needed protection from jerks who'd beat them up and rob them and stuff. I learned these assholes were known as nativists. You know, whatever. I mean, I didn't know what kind of natives they were. I, I thought the Indians, people like Chief Halftown, who was on Channel 6, were the natives. Who knew? Anyway, the immigrants hung out together in neighborhoods and built churches and schools that served as, like, anchor points for them. Like an anchor on a boat? Kinda holds them in the same place. Keeps them from, like, drifting away and getting wrecked. Keeps them safe. My mom's mom came from Ireland, and her dad came from Germany. So, I guess because he came from Germany, they decided to settle in Brewerytown. My mom and her sisters and brothers all went to our school. When mom was a kid, the nuns spoke German in their classrooms. She knew all her prayers in German. It was really cool listening to her recite. That all changed, though, when my brother and I went there, but the name stuck. St. Ludwig's. Dutch Louise. Sister Hildegard, the principal, would visit our classrooms every once in a while. I guess she liked to check out how the kids were behaving and all that. It was a real big deal when she showed up. She was very stern looking and pretty much scared the hell out of everybody, including our teachers. She'd bring something up to start a discussion and we'd attempt to answer her questions. Everybody wanted to impress her. So... (laughs) When she asked for a response, the competition to answer became... (laughs) It became fierce. We weren't allowed to jump out of our seats. You know, those iron frame ones that were bolted to the floor. So, to get her attention, we'd hook one of our feet to the frame of our desk and extend our bodies out as far as we could, without actually falling over into the aisle. And with one arm braced on the desk, The other outstretched, yelling, "Stir, stir, stir," which was short for Sister. God, it was crazy. The scene resembled those hysterical Hitler youth rallies that we used to see in the movie newsreels. The fervor we demonstrated seemed to please Sister Hildegard very, very much. During one of her visits, she was pitching all these questions and and the usual uproar ensued. I loved all that action, and my seatmate Earl and I were tearing it up, practically frothing at the mouth. Stir! Please! Stir! Some lucky stiff excitedly answered Stir's question, and the classroom gradually settled down, waiting for the next poser. The next question was different. No historic references, no trick geography question, nothing about what the pastor Father Freetag liked for dessert, No. This was on a whole different level. Sister Hildegard stood, scanning the room for any kid who risked being distracted from her steely gaze. We had been told before these visits that if Sister asked a question and we weren't paying attention to our fullest ability, then woe would betide us. Now, I, you know what? The tone of that statement Scared me. I had no idea what it actually meant, but I knew it sure as heck wasn't good. She asked the question. Now, remember our time frame. This was shortly after World War II, and we were all mostly eight years old in this third grade at Dutch Louis. Alright, that's, that's the setting. Well, it went something like this. Sister Hildegard started. Now, boys and girls, Do you all love Jesus with all your hearts? In unison, solemn, heads nodding, Yes, Sister Hildegard, we love Jesus with all our hearts. Sister smiled and proceeded. Now, boys and girls, look at the doors of your classroom. We all were a little puzzled, but obediently looked around at the doors at the front and the rear of the classroom earl and i kept looking back and forth front and back waiting for something to erupt out of one of these doors some surprise maybe father Freetag in a clown suit or something he was a big jokester she continued now boys and girls imagine with all your might now we all closed our eyes as we prepared to imagine what would be coming next imagine Nazi stormtroopers bursting into the room. I thought, holy shit, the damn Nazis. I thought Truman got them all. Eyes flew open amidst gasps of fear. Some of the kids were whimpering. My seatmate, Earl, our guardian angels and I stared at one another in horror. This reaction seemed to thrill Sister Hildegard. Her face had turned a fiery red. And with blazing eyes, she said, Now, der Sturmtruppen walks up and down the aisles and stops at your desk. At this point, we kids were bepuckered, absolutely terrified. Marcy Mingus, who sat behind me, screamed out, Oh my God, no! More excitedly, a sweating and diabolical-looking Sister Hildegard demanded, If the trooper told you he'd blow you to kingdom come if you didn't renounce our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, what would you do? Well, this afternoon had turned into psychodrama. Sister walked up and down the aisles of terror-stricken children, pointing and asking, what would you do? Now, what would you do? She stopped in front of Earl and me. She pointed at me and asked the $64 question. It was a loaded question for sure. I mean, we were little Catholic kids in a Catholic school. Hell, we just received First Holy Communion last year. We even made space in our seats for our guardian angel to squeeze in next to us. Come on, what were we supposed to say? Well, I took the plunge. I looked Sister Hildegard straight in the face and I said, shoot me, I love Jesus while the classroom erupted in relieved applause as Sister leaned down and embraced me. She said, You dear boy! And presented me with a holy card depicting Michael the Archangel, resplendent in glorious gleaming armor, with shield and sword. Sister blessed us with a sweeping movement of her arm and bid us a good afternoon, boys and girls, while I bathed in the glow of my classmates as Defender of the Faith. Actually, truth be told, I lied bare face to Sister Hildegard. I thought who in the hell would be crazy enough to argue with a crazed and heavily armed Nazi? Not in a million years. Kids may be generally dumb, but we're not stupid. I'd tell that bastard anything I thought he wanted to hear. This is Brewery Town, for Pete's sake. On Saturday afternoons, we were usually expected to go to confession. My older brother, the genius, was a student at Roman Catholic High School down at Broad and Vine. Because my mom and dad never had a chance to go to high school like my brother Patrick and I was only in third grade, he kind of had a leg up on all of us. He seemed to understand his vaunted status and would make pronouncements, often peppered with words in Latin for emphasis. I guess to impress us. Well, sure as hell did impress us. For example, one time he told us that one of the teaching brothers at Roman told his class that confession was psychoanalysis for Catholics. His comment hung in the air as my parents stared at him. They shook their heads, then went back to watching Ramar of the Jungle on TV. Whatever psycho, whatever was, we were expected to go to it. The Saturday after the Nazi incident, as was my routine, I tried to get out of going. Get busy with things that had caused me to forget the time, and then, oh, shucks, I missed confession. If I forgot because I was preoccupied with something, then when my mother asked me if I went, I could honestly tell her I forgot. That was not an actual lie-ish. I mean, I guess it was along the lines of, like manslaughter versus premeditated murder. Today though, I had an actual sin on my agenda. Not all that made-up crap we dredged up like not feeding the fish or sticking my tongue out at my brother, stuff to fill the time in the booth so we could tell our nuns that we actually went to confession and confess something. No, today I had a biggie, a bona fide sin. I had lied barefaced to Sister Hildegard during the pretend Nazi raid on our classroom. Like for all good little Catholic boys, the expectation was that no matter what and under any circumstances you were to proclaim your love for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ himself. No matter if a deranged, murderous ogre demanded that you renounce your faith under pain of death, like the good martyrs, life didn't matter always the correct choice. The only answer was death. Kind of a tough choice for an eight-year-old, but it is what it is, or it was what it was. Well, like the yellow-bellied little bastard that I was when I was confronted by the pretend Nazi, I said that I'd offer my life for the love of God to the pleasure of Sister Hildegard and the adulation of my classmates. But it was a total liar's lie because in reality, I'd never do such a ridiculous thing. Never! I'd agree to worship Howdy Doody or Buffalo Bob if it meant sparing my life. So, a soul cleaning was in order. St. Ludwig's Church was a cavernous affair. The doors into the sanctuary were huge, kind of like the doors to a castle. And once inside, you were greeted by the aroma of incense and furniture wax. A very, very holy smell. On Saturday afternoons, it was lit only by the sunlight streaming through the stained glass windows and the flickering votive candles up at the front before the statue of St. Joseph on the right and the Blessed Mother on the left. The deep shadows and flickering candles made it really spooky, especially on Saturday afternoons when nothing was going on and it was mostly deserted. Us Catholics had little huts inside the churches that we called confessionals. This is where you'd go to tell a priest all the bad stuff you did, all the damning and shitting and bastarding and the spitting and chore-ducking and giving your mother a hard timing, typical misdeeds and errors of judgment that God would be willing to forgive if only you would go to confession and tell the priest. My sins were generally not major league by a far shot. Forgetting to feed our fish and shouting damn and maybe a bastard or two a couple of times paled in comparison to more serious stuff like, well, like old man Crane, who was so loud you could hear him outside the confessional hollering about beating his wife and kicking the family dog. Ah, oh, that guy, sorry to say, but that guy was a bastard in our church we had four confessionals two on each side of the church there used to be long lines of us sinners waiting to go in and pour out our sins anonymously to the voices of the profiles behind the screens in the little booths but lately not so much crowds had dwindled a lot after the war the priests generally staked out their favorite confessional we pretty much knew where they generally stationed themselves You had to be careful because some of them were really hard ass. They'd yell at you and give you a couple of rosaries for penance for the least little thing. Sometimes men would walk out of the booth managed by this priest called Father Henry, shaking their heads and muttering Jesus Christ under their breath in an unprayerful manner. Tommy Mulligan's dad and my dad were buddies. They liked to drink together over at Amon's Pub on Myrtlewood Street. Dad said Mulligan was an alcoholic. When Mr. Mulligan went to confession, he usually went to Father Brendan, who, according to Dad, also was an alcoholic. You could always hear laughter when they were in there together. They had a great time. Like I said, though, you had to be careful when you went to confession. I liked Father Brendan, too, because he gave out light sentences, like one hour, Father, and a Hail Mary, and sweep the kitchen when you got home. Easy peasy. If for some reason Father Brendan switched up confessionals with somebody else, Then you had your work cut out for you, like if you got Father Henry. Father Henry always seemed to be in a bad mood. You know, like even if you saw him crossing over in the schoolyard, you'd say, Hi, Father, and he'd look at you and wrinkle his nose like he just smelled a dog fart. Well, this Saturday, my lucky streak ended. I got Henry. Now, as a point of a little explanation here for all you non-Catholic guys and girls out there, the Catholic's confessional is a weird little contraption. It's like a box with three doors. The priest is in the middle, and the sinner go on either onto the left or the right side of the priest. A little light goes on over the doors above the sinner's sides of the booth to tell you that people are inside. The priest has a chair in his space, and the sinners get to kneel on this board on their sides of the box. There's a little sliding door at head level between the priest and the center with like a screen or a curtain type material that allows you to see the priest kinda in profile behind the screen. You can hardly see him, but that's okay. We know them and they know all of us kids from school. When it was my turn to confess, the little door slid open, and when I heard Father Henry's voice, I gasped aloud. Oh my God. He snarled. What's the matter, oh my God? Thought it was Father Brendan, didn't ya? <laughs> and he chuckled. I squeaked, Oh no, father, nothing like that. He said, Well, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna confess or are you just gonna kneel there? He was a rough character. Well, then I cautiously did my usual contrite, bless me, Father, for I have sinned, etc. It's part of a ritual. Then proceeded with the usual crap, like the fish thing and all, saving the worst for last. It went something like this. I forgot to feed the fish one time. I yelled S-H-I-T when I lost a penny down the sewer. One time. And I paused long enough for Father Henry to growl. What, are you sleeping in there? What else? Now I was shaking. Well, Father, there was a pretend Nazi in our classroom this week, and I... He interrupted. Wait, wait, what? A pretend what? Did you say Nazi? I said, yes, Father. We... He interrupted me again. Wait, wait a minute. How? Where did this Nazi come from? I said, Sister Hildegard. He sputtered, how... What, what, what? I stammered. Heck if I know, Father. I was sweating by this point, because it was time for the motherload. I blurted out, I lied. I lied, and I told Sister that right before he was going to kill me, I said, I love Jesus. He was sputtering. He said, what? Wait, what are you talking about? He sounded beside himself as he sat in his darkened cocoon, listening as a child's incredible tale of terror unfolded. He started saying things and cut himself off. I think he even said Jesus' name in vain once or twice. He eventually calmed himself and went on more gently. Oh my God, Billy. Oh my God, what was your sin anyway? I just told you, Father. I lied. I. He interrupted again. Who did you lie to? I said, Sister Hildegard. He asked, well, what about this Nazi? Well, Father, I said, I I told Sister that I'd tell him that I do love Jesus. Well, yeah, go on, he said. Well, see, well, really, I do love Jesus. Only, I wouldn't have told the Nazi that. Because he would have splattered my brains all over hell. But I told Sister Hildegard... That I would have told the Nazi that I loved Jesus, but that was a lie. I would have said anything to that rotten Nazi if it would have kept him from machine gunning me. I took a deep breath. I started additional explanations, but Father Henry said, Whoa, whoa, enough, Billy, enough. I get it. I was waiting for the hammer to fall. I thought I'd get enough rosaries to keep me busy until Sunday night lying to the nuns was bad business i waited kneeling there in the darkened box smelling the holy smells of the incense and the furniture wax in the gloom finally father spoke he said billy billy tough situations call for tough decisions i paused having absolutely no idea what he was talking about then i said yes father He asked Billy, do you know what I'm talking about? I said, no, father. He chuckled and said, well, thanks for being so honest. Listen, Billy, you're a good lad. You're a good kid. Try to put this foolishness out of your head. This was all pretend. You did nothing wrong. For your penance, say one Hail Mary and feed your doggone fish. Now make a good act of contrition and get out of here and enjoy the rest of your Saturday. As I left the confessional, I heard him mutter under his breath, Nazis! Christ! Well, that was Brewerytown for you and Dutch Louis. I hope you enjoyed our trip down memory lane. We'll be announcing additional episodes of memoirs at Doug Scott Tales from Second Street on Facebook. Let us know what you think, and thanks so much for listening, and in the meantime, remember to feed your dog on fish.